growing up, a little bit about Pastor Britt in my younger days, okay? My parents, I grew up in a Christian home, so my parents tried to make it a point that they would sit down and teach my siblings and I the Bible. And I mean like beginning to end because they didn't want any confusion while we were growing up. They wanted us to know all the truths that were in the Bible. They want us to know every single thing so that as I got older, I would know oh, this is when this happened, this is when this happened. Um, the only slight major huge problem is that I have something that maybe some of you can relate to me, and it is a little something called ADHD. Okay, and uh, the problem is, can't get an amen, right? Okay, the problem is um, when I sit down to kind of do literally absolutely anything, uh, brain bad, okay, brain hurt, and brain have some problems staying focused, okay? It's a miracle I can do this. That's how you know the Lord is real, all right? Because my brain just goes absolutely everywhere. In a million miles, it is all over the place all of the time. I will be thinking tens of thousands of different thoughts. The other small, little, tiny, huge problem is um, my dad growing up was in the military for more than 20 years. And so... Um, Little Brittany, ADHD, and less Bicky with no chill and drill sergeant in him didn't really mix when it came to teaching anything, okay? Because what happened is he would sit my siblings and I down and he would be like, okay, you know, let's pull out our Bibles. And I'm like, a Bible? Oh no, I'm supposed to have that. And so then I would have to delay um, our little Bible teachings. So then I would have to go find a Bible and then I would go in my room and then I'd get distracted because, oh, 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 look what I just found in my room. And then I'd hear my dad yell, Brittany, get your Bible. And I'm like, yes, Bible. Okay. And then I get my Bible and I start walking and I'm like, what's that little shiny thing? Oh, look at over there. And then I get super sidetracked and I go start to do this. And my dad's like, Brittany Ann, get your Bible. And I'd be like, okay, I'm sorry, Les, all right. And so I'd finally get my Bible after like a couple hours and I would make it back to the table and he would say, all right, you know, let's open it up. And he'd start to tell us these deep biblical truths. And I had no idea what he was saying. I had absolutely no clue anything of what he was saying. Not because it was confusing. It might have been confusing. I actually have no idea. But the problem is when I would sit down and I'd try to pay attention um, and I wouldn't, then drill sergeant dad would come in and then sensitive little Brittany would then begin to cry. And now I'm crying and now I don't know why I'm crying because I forgot I'm crying. And I might actually have short-term memory loss as well. I'm not actually entirely sure, okay? There's a lot going on in here. But the truth is, is every time I would sit down and I would try to pay attention to my dad teaching me the Bible, it would never work, okay? I was constantly distracted. I was constantly not paying attention, which then would cause him to yell at me, which would then cause me to cry, which then would just cause a downward spiral. And it wasn't until later in my teenage years that the Bible started to make sense, that I finally decided maybe I'll just open this up and maybe I will just try it for myself. And so that's what I did. And I came to find out the Bible is not that confusing. The problem is I just wasn't willing to open it up and read it. And so what my dad was trying to do is get me to know the timeline of the events, and I didn't care about it. But then when I finally realized, I can do this, I can open up the Bible, and it can be very clear to me, 
then it started to make sense. And this is why I love this What's Next series. Because as a kid growing up, being so confused at what was happening in the Bible, I love that we can take even just a short snippet of Jesus's life and break it down. Okay, what truly happened next? And now I'm a little embarrassed to admit this to all of you, so do not judge me or I will come find you, okay? Um, I thought, this is, okay. I thought, you know how Jesus was born on Christmas, right? We celebrate Christmas, it's awesome. And then like a few months later is Easter. Okay, I didn't know there's like 30 years separating those. And so I thought Jesus was born a little baby and then just a few months later he had to die on a cross for us. And I was like, are you kidding me? You would hurt an innocent baby for real? And then it, it, it turns out there was like a lot of life in between that that happened, okay? I mean, how dare they still crucify Jesus, but he wasn't like just a few months old. All right, and so I thought, that that's how his life happened. Turns out I was painfully mistaken, okay? And now I have an understanding, okay, what happened after Jesus was born? He grew up to a man, we learned all of this, what happened after the death, what happened after his resurrection, and hopefully you guys are tracking with us as well. So if you haven't been here the last couple weeks, I will quickly bring you up to date. Probably not quickly, okay? So first we learned the days leading up to Jesus' death. Then we found out what happened next, that he was crucified, right? He was broken and beaten for us. He was put to death on a cross. Then we talked about how after he died, the people all around him finally realized, wow, this man truly was the son of God. This man truly was the Messiah. And then of course, after he died on the cross, he was put in a tomb where he lay dead for how many days? Wow, tough crowd you are. Man, you guys maybe just, geez, quit yelling at me, all right? For three days, that's, it wasn't a trick question, all right? For three days, once again proving this man was the Messiah. And then after he rose from the dead, do you remember who he appeared to first? Man, you guys, so loud. Jeez, right? He appeared to Mary, okay? But not like Jesus' mom, Mary, but Mary Magdalene. And then he appeared to over 500 people. And that is how the Great Commission happened, where in those days before Jesus ascended to heaven, he gave us the Great Commission, which is go forth, tell everybody else about who Jesus is. And that is how the early church has started. And that's the same story we're telling thousands of years later. And then after he appeared to the disciples and Mary, all of that, 40 days later, he ascended up to heaven, which means he just full sent it right up to heaven, okay? And so this catches us up to where we're at in our timeline, is Jesus is in heaven even right now. And I think when I hear this, even when I read this in my Bible, I used to think, oh, well then Jesus's work is done. What he did on earth, it's accomplished. So when he's going up to heaven, he's just, you know, he's retiring. He served a good 30 years at his job, right? Now he's collecting a social security pension. He's living on a beach somewhere. Everything's fine, right? He's all done. He's just taking a break. But that is not true, right? Jesus' work wasn't done even when he ascended to heaven. He didn't go to heaven to take his 10-minute mandatory government-issued break that we all have to take, right? He didn't do that. 
He didn't ascend to heaven because things got too hard here on earth that he couldn't handle. He's Jesus, right? He didn't do that. He went to heaven for us. He went to heaven to keep working. Jesus went to heaven not only just to give us the Holy Spirit, which we're going to be covering that a lot at camp, but he went to heaven to show us his care for his children will never be finished. He's not done working in us and through us and using us. He will never be done with that. He just now gets to do it from the glory of heaven. And there's a couple things that the Bible tells us that Jesus is doing in heaven now. The first is that he is seated at the right hand of the Father. It says in Romans 8.34, Then who can sentence us to death? No one. Christ Jesus is at the right hand of God and is also praying for us. He's at the right hand of God praying for us. He died, and more than that, he was raised to life. Now, all that means is he's interceding on our behalf. And remember, intercession is just standing in the gap. It's pleading before God our needs and our wants of not only us, but others around us. That's what God is doing in heaven. And just think while you guys were down here, thinking of people who you're going to intercede for, for their needs, for their wants, for the hurts of the world. Even a couple weeks ago, as we were playing, praying over our schools, while we are down here interceding, Jesus is up in heaven interceding for you. Right? What breaks your heart for the needs and the hurts of the world, it breaks Jesus' heart to see your pain, to see what you walk through. And you have an advocate in heaven who is pleading on your behalf. Right? You have an advocate in heaven of all of places who is praying for you, for you, right? He is praying for you. He is pleading to God for you. He is interceding for us while Satan, whose name literally means the accuser, is trying to accuse us, pointing out our sins and our faults to God as he's always been doing. But the thing is, is that Satan's accusations fall upon deaf ears in heaven because of the work that Jesus did on the cross that paid our debt, that paid our sins. And now Jesus is advocating for you. Hey, no, 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 no. Don't listen to them. God, remember, I forgave them. I already died for them. Right? Jesus is pleading on your behalf. And while the enemy is trying to mess with you, to tempt you, to cause you to fail, where he's trying to still kill and destroy you, Jesus says, no. I am at the right hand of the Father praying for you. I am fighting for you. I am advocating for you. So if Jesus is in heaven praying for us, then what exactly is it that he's praying for? He's praying for literally everything. He's been praying for you since before you were born. He's been praying for your protection, that car accident you were in, that you should have been hurt way worse. He's like, no, I'm praying, and you were protected. Right? He's praying for your protection. He's praying for your heart. He's praying for you at school that you would crush it. He's praying for the teacher that continually singles you out. He's praying for your heart for that. He's constantly praying for you. He is praying for your family. He's praying for the call on your life that one day you would walk in it. He is constantly praying for you. He's praying that you would be close to him. 
that one day you would go to heaven, that you would get to see him in all of his glory. He's praying for those of us who don't know who Jesus is, and he's praying for those of us who do. If you think about it, the 4640 staff, we get together every single Tuesday, and we pray for you guys for about a half hour, okay? Now, obviously, we pray for you throughout the week, but this is a time that we're all together really interceding for you guys. That's only for a half hour, but you have a Savior. The Savior of the entire world is up in heaven praying for you nonstop, absolutely constantly. There's this quote I read that says, if I could hear Christ praying for me in the next room, I would not fear a million enemies. Right? If I could hear Christ praying for me in the next room, I would not fear a million enemies. This should excite us, right? This should fill us with hope and with joy knowing, man, if I could just hear what God is praying about me, what Jesus is praying about me, then what do I have to fear? Then that test at school doesn't matter. You know why? Because Jesus is praying for you. Right, then those people we have to face who have been hurting us, who broke our heart, what does that matter? Jesus is praying for you. If you could hear the prayers that Jesus is praying about you, what do you have to fear? So not only is he in heaven praying for us, but he is also preparing a place for us. John 14, 2 says, my father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? Now, we probably all learned way back in Sunday school, okay, some of you were our kids' church kids, and we taught you that God had created the whole earth, do you remember in how many days? In six days, yes, and then on the seventh day, he had rested, right? In six days, he had created absolutely everything. He created you, he created me, the things that make us us, he created absolutely all of it in just six days. Now, I have been to only four countries, and I have traveled everywhere around the United States, and I have seen what I think is some of the most beautiful places ever, right? I've been to the Great Barrier Reef in Australia. Mind blown. How you say blessing, okay? I don't know if I said that correctly. All right. Get that out of the podcast. Brock says, dude, stop. All right. My bad. All right. Back to the millennial me, okay? I have seen some of the most beautiful places in the entire world. And God created that in six days. And it's places that get me to say, man, there is nothing more perfect than this. There is nothing more beautiful than this. I could never imagine any place better than this. And then you start to realize, if God did all of that in only six days, then what could he do with more? Because Jesus has been in heaven for like 2,000 years, and the whole time, he has been preparing a place for you, right? God did all of this in six days, and yet Jesus has been preparing heaven for you for more than 2,000 years. That's insane to me. That's crazy to me because earth is awesome, all right? There's a lot of cool things to do here, a lot of really pretty places to see, but Jesus has been preparing heaven for you for more than 2,000 years. All right, he has a place for your parents. He has a place for your siblings, for anybody who calls on him, but he has been preparing it for you. For you. Every single one of us in this room who believe in Jesus, who have asked him to save us, he has been preparing it for you. 
right? He's been thinking about the things that you'll like, making it perfect for you. And you think, I mean, the Grand Canyon's pretty and all, okay? But heaven, right? What Jesus has been preparing for us is going to be mind-blowing. This earth is nothing like heaven will be. Absolutely nothing. We can't even comprehend the magnitude of what Jesus has for us. We can't even comprehend the magnitude of heaven. We can't even fathom that Jesus is prepping it for me. Revelation 21 says, He will wipe every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. Heaven is absolute perfection. And I can't even comprehend what that even means. But I know there's going to be no sickness. There's going to be no sadness. There's going to be no death. There's nothing going to be bad at all. It is going to be absolute perfection. It also says in Revelation 22, and there will be no night there. No need for lamps or sun, for the Lord your God will shine on them, and they will reign forever and ever. This, to me, I, like, start thinking about, like, you got to make the Bible a little bit alive to you, okay? That says there will be no night, but it will be shining constantly. Do we need sunglasses? Do my glasses protect my eyes? Do I need glasses? Am I going to have eyeballs? And am I going to be able to see? Do I need sunscreen? What is this temperature going to be like? It's going to be light all the time. What's that supposed to mean? I don't know, right? I can't comprehend heaven. Our brains cannot comprehend what heaven is going to be like. It's going to be beyond what we could ever think, what we could ever imagine, and he is preparing it for us. For more than 2,000 years, he's been preparing heaven for us. Now, I like to imagine that Jesus has been spending the last 2,000 years probably redecorating my home because I can't really make up my mind on literally anything. And I like to think that he's kind of like crafted me this perfect little cabin. If, has anybody ever seen Banff National Park? Anybody ever seen that? Okay, yeah. It's Canada. All right. Man, you guys need to travel a little bit more, okay? And I like to imagine that this cabin backs right up to Banff National Park. And I like to imagine that, um, you know, obviously Jesus has fulfilled my heart's desires. And I have thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of acres. And of course, I never have to maintain them because, duh, it's heaven. And then I like to imagine that um, because my husband says I'm not allowed to have a horse on our property right now, that in heaven I could have so many horses, okay? I'm going to have so many but I don't have to feed them. I don't have to water them. Well, you know, not water the horse. That's weird. Uh, like give them water or anything like that. Or maybe in heaven you water a horse and it grows. I don't know. I don't know what's going to be heaven. And I like to imagine that the temperature is a crisp 78 degrees, okay? Not too hot, not too cold. And that in heaven I can beat Nick's Chaco tan line, okay? These are what I'm going to do when I'm in heaven. And I also like to imagine that there is also a dirt bike track that I can full send whenever I want to, and I will stop getting hurt, okay? And this is going to be glorious, all right? It's going to be incredible. My bike's going to be an automatic start. Oh, it's going to be awesome, okay? I don't have to worry about breaking my wrists anymore, all right? It's going to be incredible. And then I like to imagine that I have the best coffee that Sean can't make fun of me for because I like me a vanilla latte, but it's going to be a good vanilla latte. Not like when you go to Starbucks and you know when you bring out the color of the cup, that's the wrong color already, and it's going to be terrible. 
Kelbury knows what's up, okay? It's not going to be like that, but it's going to be the perfect cup every single time. And I like to imagine that Jesus is going to come over every morning. We're going to talk about his day. We're going to talk about my day. You know, we're just going to chit-chat. I don't know. I'm going to ask him all these questions, and he's going to be like, hey, shh, stop talking. You talk so much, Brittany, just shh. And I'm going to be like, mm-hmm. But also Jesus, he's going to be like, shh, drink your coffee, shh. Okay, and I imagine that then I will get to meet Gideon, which if you don't know who Gideon is, he's a man in the Bible. He's one of my favorite Bible characters, and he was a man full of fear, but yet God still used him. And I would like to swap some stories, you know, because I could totally relate to Gideon in the Bible for sure, okay? Um, And then I would also like to meet some other characters in the Bible, but not even just them. I want to meet every single person who has trailblazed the way of faith for us right? All the way from the beginning, all the way to the end. And I want to be able to talk with these people. And I want to be able to ask them questions. And this is how I picture what Jesus is preparing for me. And I think sometimes we're like, well, I can't really imagine heaven. I can't really picture it because, I I don't know, people make us feel weird for trying to imagine something that would be so perfect. And I know that our human brains can't comprehend it, but I'm still going to dream about what he's preparing for me. I'm still going to pray about, God, would you just reveal little tiny parts of it to me? Let my wee little brain kind of understand what it is that you are preparing for me. And to think that Jesus is preparing a place for all of us, for all of us who know him, as our savior for all of us. And what I think is so cool is I cannot wait to get to heaven one day to see Jesus face to face, but also he can't wait to see me face to face. So what's next then? What's next is one day Jesus is gonna come back. One day he'll come back in his full glory and he'll raise up everybody who believes in him. Until that day we live out exactly what Jesus has asked us to do the great commission says in Matthew 28 18 through 20 Jesus came and told his disciples I've been given all authority in heaven on earth therefore go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the father and the son and the holy spirit teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this I am with you always even to the end of the age Now, this isn't just for pastors, right? The Great Commission is to go tell other people who Jesus is because there is room in heaven for them. They need to know Jesus is praying on their behalf. They need to know that there is a home in heaven for them, right? There is many rooms. And it's not just for us pastors to tell you about, but it's a call on every single one of your lives. Every single one of you are created to do this to tell somebody, to invite somebody to church, to say, I care about you enough to tell you the truth of who Jesus is. I care about you so much to tell you that there is a God who is praying for you. So whenever you felt alone, whenever you felt beat up, whenever you feel like nobody understands you, there is a God who understands you. There is a God who is praying for you, who is pleading for you, who is advocating for you. And what's next? is we live knowing that we have a home forever in heaven. What's next is we live knowing we are loved beyond our own understanding. What's next is we live 
believing God's word. We read our Bibles. We find out for ourselves what happens next. And what's next is we live believing that God is pleading on our behalf, right? That Jesus is praying for us, that he is fighting for us, that he is advocating for us. And we live out believing that he's still preparing a place for us. Let's go ahead, bow our heads and close our eyes. So Jesus, we thank you. We thank you that it's as simple as you're in heaven now and you're praying for us and that you are preparing a home for each and every one of us. And so God, I pray that we would just live out what's next. We would live out the Great Commission. We would tell other people about you. We'd invite them to church and we would not be ashamed of it. But instead, we would really carry the weight of, man, my friends need to know who Jesus is. My family needs to know who Jesus is. There's a place in heaven for them. And God, I pray that we would just live out knowing, man, you love us. Man, you care about us. Man, you are praying for us. And Lord, I just pray that we would just continue to live out our lives completely chasing after you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the 4640 Student Center Podcast. For more information on what's happening in 4640, you can check us out on social media and at our website, 4640gj.com. Service times are Tuesday and Wednesday nights. Hope to see you there.